welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, welcome back. We're finally back. It's welcome been, back to me Welcome well. back to you, mm-hmm. especially, that's what I meant, <laughs> to you mainly. mikkel has been gone. She's been traveling literally the country. and uh, Gone for a couple of weeks, which is why we missed last week's episode. That's right. I missed you all very much. I'm very sorry. <laughs> so do you want to share about your trip first or meme first? Uh, we'll share about the trip. It was really exciting. Okay, let's go for the trip. So I had planned to go back and visit visit uh, all the older kids in Connecticut this summer. Max and Savannah and Sam were all back there working. And Savannah called a couple weeks ago and she's like, Mom, will you come visit me? So, of course, I dropped everything. And 48 hours later, I was in Connecticut with Savannah because I love her that much. So we had a great week together and did so many fun things and got to spend time and just gosh, I love her so much. And then Sam decided that he's still trying to make the rest of his money for school. And he decided that he would be able to make more at home. So we packed him up and drove home from Connecticut with all of his stuff. Because Sam drove out there in his car. Mm-hmm. And so you flew out there, flew out. got in Sam's car, and drove which back. is an old car, by the way. This is a car. <laughs> like a 20-year-old. His name is Linus. He's been through literally every member of the family, and he's the car that all three kids learn to drive in. And he looks like it. He's he's shown a lot of love to the family and, and you know, not gotten a lot of love in return. Poor Linus. That's right. <laughs> so I went through Max, went through Sam, went through Ella. Back to Sam. And now it's back to Sam. Yep. And the thing's still going. I know. You know? Linus has been good to our it's family. It's a Toyota. Shout out to Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of coming, because... Like I said, we were in Connecticut and we were driving to Arizona, which is, you know, a diagonal across the whole country. And instead of driving home, we just decided we're going to go see whatever we want. So I call you. I'm, we're like in South Carolina or something. You're like, what are you doing? And I said, we're going to Georgia. So we went down to Georgia to some peach farms. We visited family and friends along the way. It was so fun to see everybody. We went through... I don't know, like all over the country. Then we meandered back up and ate grits in Tennessee and drove all around and had barbecue in Texas. You know, I don't know if we ever would have come home, but I had some uh, work I had to attend to. So, and we're glad that you have work so that at least something gets you back home. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, I I would have come home to you. I don't know how long that would have been, but yeah. So initially, this was supposed to be like a what a three four day. Trip. trip, yeah, yeah. it's two weeks. It's Turned been two, into two weeks. weeks, full two weeks. But so. it has been so fun. Sam and I had a blast driving home. He played all of his rap songs for me, and what Sam didn't realize is I actually really love rap, and so he was playing Twenty Four K Golden's new album, and I know some of the songs word for word. So of course I'm like belting out, and he was blown away. So then he was super excited, and he taught me uh, all of the gang slang so that I won't embarrass myself in front of the fellas when they come over. So. So. You know, we went through the juice, the sauce, the drip, cap, you know, all the important, all the important all words. All the important words. Mm-hmm. Well. So that was exciting. So it was educational as well as fun. It was very educational. I come back more enlightened than when I, than when I left. So thank you, Sam. Well, good. A good time was had by all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're back. Yes. Um, do you want to share a meme? 
yes, we will do a meme of the week. Uh, and this happens all the time. I don't know if this happens to regular people, but people, <laughs> regular, people. <laughs> regular, regular people and the elevated ones of us who experience <laughs> mental illness. I do feel like we're in a slightly higher class. Or the class. exceptional people. Or the exceptional people, yeah. This one says, uh, cashier, how are you? Me, good. Comes back three hours later. I lied, Sharon, I've got depression. <laughs> <laughs> you obsess about things forever and ever and ever. And that think is about a conversation 100% that you had. percent true thing. And maybe how you could have said it differently uh -huh. or better. Mm -hmm. And then you have to go back and correct it. I lied, Sharon, I, I have lied. depression. <laughs> Well, our last episode was uh, Kendra talking about mania, yeah, which is something we had never addressed before, but it has gotten a lot of listens, a lot of people uh, interested in learning about mania. So we thought we'd do a follow-up um, podcast today about hypomania. Yeah, well, talking about the differences between mania and hypomania, because a lot of people may or may not recognize the symptoms. So hypomania, how would you describe that to... People. Hypomania is what uh, normal me thought that I aspired to every single day. So much energy, very little need for sleep. Your mind moves really, really quick. Um, but like, I'm super annoyed at everybody else because nobody moves as fast or thinks as fast as I do. So along with that comes agitation. But it took me a few years to realize that part. And these are typically cycles, right? Right. So it's not like you're in hypomania for six months. Yeah. Kendra talked about how long her cycles are. My yeah. cycles have never been that long. Sometimes it'll be like two or three days of hypomania and then two or three weeks of depression. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it'll be longer. I think the longest uh, period that I feel like I was in hypomania was maybe a week and a half or something. My cycles are not that long. They're, they're typically... Rapid cycling is what they call it. And typically, I'm a rapid cycler. Really, it's just like a few days here, a few days there. Yeah. And that relates to bipolar 1 and bipolar 2, right? Right. So bipolar 2 typically experiences hypomania, which is less than the full... You know, Kendra talked about some of the extreme and severe... Um, like hallucinations and yeah. break from reality... Uh, not thinking clearly, things like that. And so like, they're very I've, extreme. Right. And I've not experienced a lot of those things because I've never been in full-blown mania. Hypomania is is really where I top out. So a lot of the things she was talking about, I was glad to have her on because those aren't experiences that I've had. So I think it's valuable to have the discussion hit on both of those things. And so some people are going to relate to Kendra and uh, the mania, the full-blown mania. And some people are going to relate more to hypomania and maybe some of the things that you've experienced. Yeah. But I feel like real quick, let's talk about bipolar one and bipolar type two. And just I know we just like hit a sentence or two on it when we were talking to Kendra. But when people are first diagnosed with bipolar, almost always people are start off with a diagnosis of bipolar type two, because generally what people experience first is the depression. And which is what gets them right, into which seeing is what somebody. gets you into the doctor. I mean, especially when you're in it, hypomania or mania, you do not think there's a problem. It feels amazing. Like, so, I feel awesome. I need to go to a doctor. Right. I need to feel like this all of the time. So I don't know anybody who's gone in concerned about their manic symptoms. So you really go only go in with a depression and, you know, they'll ask questions. Sometimes you're misdiagnosed with depression 
only, and then doctors realize later that it's bipolar, but typically you're diagnosed with bipolar type two, which is the majority of depression and hypomania. Once you have a full-blown manic episode though, the diagnosis will change to bipolar type one. And, and if you've ever had a manic episode in your life, you will always be treated as bipolar type one. Even if you only have one episode ever, you're still going to be categorized as bipolar type one. So that's a little bit of how the two differ and how the diagnoses work. It's not necessarily the severity of the depression because both of them experience severe depression, but it's the severity of the mania that changes the difference in the diagnoses of type one and two. And I know you're not a doctor, but no, you I'm not. play one on a podcast. <laughs> so I'm real good at acting like one. Um, but do you know, do they treat, are the medications different for bipolar one and bipolar two? Do you know? I do know that when you go in, if you're in a different place in the cycle, like if you go in and you're in a depressive episode, they're going to start you on a different medication than if you go in during a manic episode. So because I know when I first went in and was originally diagnosed with bipolar and not just the depression, they started me on a medication to bring the mania down rather than to bring the depression up. So eventually you're probably going to settle on a combination of like an antipsychotic and antidepressant or whatever combination your psychiatrist or doctor thinks will fit. But they'll start you on a different one depending on which extreme you come in with. So I wanted to talk about some of the symptoms and you can research this online and there's always talk to your real doctor, talk to your real doctor, (laughs) (laughs) but symptoms of mania. um, And so it's the same. All these symptoms of mania are the same as hypomania, but just less severe, right? In hypomania. Many of them are the same, but full blown mania, there are symptoms that you don't have in hypomania, like the delusions and a lot of the grandiose, like when you get off the insane spending sprees or, you know, sexual permissiveness, addictive behavior, gambling, like all of those very extreme things are generally not associated with hypomania. Got it. So one of the things is having higher than normal energy levels. Yes, it is so awesome. I remember when I was writing the book, I was kind of explaining my energy levels in the swing sometimes. And when I'm hypomanic, I, I mentioned it, but I move really fast, like really, <laughs> really fast. Yes, I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you're aware of this or if you've seen it before, but, but I remember describing like when I would go to the grocery store and like how big Walmart is. I literally, it's, it's not even like speed walking. It's like light jogging to yeah. the store. And I'm just like grabbing this, grabbing that, grabbing this, grabbing that. It's, it's not, it's deliberate though. I'm grabbing everything I need. I know where it all is, but it's like 40 minutes in and out for a two week shopping trip, including checkout. I mean, I just move so fast and I used to love going with the kids. They would get super excited when I was kind of hypomanic and we would go to the grocery store because it was like a foot race through <laughs> Walmart. And I know like when I've brought you before, yes. I've realized you, you can't come when I'm no. In my manic face. No, I realize you it's like a, like a, a superpower. Person. It's a shopping superpower. <laughs> it is. It, it's amazing to get so much done so quickly, though. And I know now, like I recognize, okay, I'm hypomanic right now. I know my cycles aren't that long, so this isn't going to last. Therefore, it makes me want to accomplish everything I've been putting off for the last month that I've been depressed and pack it into this two days. So even more, I'm like, boom, 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 boom. What else can I get done? But as we talked with Kendra last week, 
the danger is when you're in that window, you start scheduling things and doing things and making plans and that window closes and yet you've already got these plans made yeah. that are very difficult to follow through with. So prioritize. Do the most important things first. True. There you go. Well, another uh, symptom is being restless or unable to sit still. Yes. That is a little bit of a problem with the focus. I feel like sometimes I have a little bit of uh, ADD where I'm like running up to start this, running down to start that, going into this room for this. And I'm usually doing five things at once. And as long as the mania doesn't run out, it's awesome. If the mania runs out before my projects are finished, I'm left with like five big messes all over the house of, you know, the plumbing that I started and the light hanging that I didn't get fit. Like big projects. I like to do projects anyway, but big projects. And then we have to sit in a mess waiting for the next manic cycle <laughs> to come by. People may or may not know you are so wonderful at so many things, but home projects is not one of them. Oh, yes. That is Heaven forbid that I me. have to finish a project for you. <laughs> so another one is a decreased need for sleep. Have you experienced yeah. that? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I can sleep three hours a night or I can go most of the night and just like the energy doesn't slow down because your mind doesn't slow down. And it's because your mind keeps moving so fast. And even though sometimes I feel physically tired, there's no way in the world to fall asleep. My mind moves way too fast. And so you just keep going and going and going. But it's it's kind of nice, honestly, to <laughs> need three or four hours of sleep. You can get so much done when you have 21 hours in a day. But then we've talked about the importance of sleep. Yeah. So that's the hard part is we know our bodies need to sleep yeah. to function appropriately and yet, and yet you don't need it and your body doesn't want to sleep. And so, well, I'm talking so fondly about the mania because it does feel so amazing. But if you like, if I just do whatever I feel like in the mania, it's going to make the following cycle of depression awful. So even though there's so many things about the mania that feel so good, I have to control it. I have, to, I used to do the three hours of sleeping. I know better now. I don't do that anymore. Even no. when I'm not tired, I'll, you know, I have some other medications to help my mind slow down and I'll take those and fall asleep because you, you have to keep those cycles within a normal range or you're really going to pay for it. And I didn't used to realize the importance of, of not letting those cycles, you know, play out in their full extreme. So do you think that you've, you manage the hypomania better or differently than you did uh, initially? Oh, yeah. I know for sure. Like now I don't start five projects at once because I know this is going to run out. So well, I think the difference is now you recognize it. Yeah. And you know, and before you just thought you were feeling really good. Yeah. I just thought I'm back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and now you realize temper our enthusiasm here. <laughs> Let's get some stuff done. Let's be responsible about it. Yeah. Well, and on purpose, even when I have lots of energy on purpose, I'll take a little time out and, and lay down and read a book for a couple hours or try to just keep the mania from like ramping up on itself just to try to, like I said, keep it within a normal range. Like I do that to manage it now when I didn't used to. So another one is having increased self-esteem or confidence or grandiosity. I mean, that doesn't seem like a really bad thing to have an increased uh, self-esteem or confidence or grandiosity, but uh. yeah, I notice this a lot with Ella. She's so funny, but she just is like, boom, boom, boom. I'm the greatest ever. Boom. 
And I sent her this funny meme and she was kind of manic at the time. And she's like, oh, don't I know it? That's exactly right. And the meme is like uh, me feeling all types of mania. Uh, life didn't give me lemons. Oh, I gave lemons life. You know, I, I mean, it's kind of like that where that it's just like, oh, 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 ah! you know, it's like super motivational speaker. <laughs> Chris Farley. <laughs> uh, being extremely talkative. Oh, did you notice? <laughs> Kendra was really funny last week. After we ended the recording of the episode, she's like, I feel like I should have told everybody I'm really manic right now. And that's why I'm talking so fast. And <laughs> it's funny because like that's something that both happens in both hypomania and mania. And so as she's talking, I'm like, oh, I absolutely know where Kendra is at right now because I've been there. But it is 1000% true. Being extremely talkative and also talking really, really fast. Yeah. That happens to me as well. What about having a racing mind or having lots of new ideas and plans? Oh, yeah. You're a genius when you're hypomanic or manic. Like, brilliant. Brilliant. But honestly, uh, some things have come of it. Remember, you know that chandelier downstairs? That yes. five-foot chandelier we have hanging in the front room? Mm -hmm. Two-story front room. Yeah, that idea was uh, born out of one of my hypomanic episodes. Well, there so, you go. There I go. Now I have a five-foot chandelier hanging <laughs> in my living room that I made with my own two hands. What's the downside of a racing mind? The racing mind, it's, it's hard to talk to other people. And also, like, in a conversation, when you're talking to somebody, they're following up on something you just said. But like for me, my mind is already three topics down and it's actually hard to have conversations with people because mm. it's ADD in my mind too. And I, I can't stop and focus on the conversation and like things just don't move fast enough. I found that that's another time when it's best if I just kind of like do my own thing and not <laughs> involve too many other people in the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's frustrating for other people and it's frustrating for me as well. And like not as much anymore because now I know, yeah. but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Another one that's related to that is being easily distracted. Yeah. Like I said, I start the laundry upstairs and the dishes downstairs and the photo project in the office and <laughs> scrubbing the garage floor. And like, I just rotate through the house in you know, super speed, supersonic speed, doing all the things at the same time. And you've talked a little bit about this, but starting multiple projects. Yeah. Um, you know, when you feel hypomanic, you want to start everything that you've been putting on your to-do list and it's been sitting there and all of a sudden you're going to do them all, all at once. Well, the other thing for me is because I'm not that social typically, but when I'm hypomanic, I feel very, very social. So there's lots of people who are kind of like, oh, we should get lunch or oh, we should do this or we should do that. And when I'm hypomanic, I'm in the mood to do all of those things. So a lot of times I'll line a lot of things up. That's really where it gets trickier for me, not necessarily the projects, because I've gotten fairly good at managing the projects and, and the pace of those. But the social one is still the one that's harder for me because then I line up lunches and then I, you know, the hypomania wears off and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I actually don't like being social. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last one we'll talk about is having decreased inhibitions. Yeah, I. The thing that comes to mind for me is your penchant for clip jumping. You know what, though? I don't know that that's decreased inhibitions. I think that that's just me because I'm an adrenaline junkie. Like, I cliff jump whether I'm depressed or whether I'm hypomanic. I love the thrill of cliff jumping. So, I I don't know. I feel like that's just me. 
So you don't feel like you have any decreased inhibitions in hypomania? You well, I mean, I've jumped off higher cliffs, so yes. <laughs> but like I like I do that no matter what. So I don't know skydiving. Yeah, I wasn't hypomanic, and we went skydiving, and I don't know. I I feel like that one's more. It's true, but it's just my personality that I'm an adrenaline junkie. So I do all of those things anyway. And you know, the interesting thing is is what triggers these, you know, because you were saying that sometimes you've got it, you know, hypomania for a couple of days, and then it, you might feel more depressed mm-hmm. for an extended period of time. Well, the thing is, however high up you go in the mania or the hypomania, that's also how low I will go. So if I have a very severe hypomanic episode, I can be pretty sure that a severe depressive episode is going to follow. That's why I don't want the hypomania to go too high because I don't want the depression to go too low. If I can just like keep it, you know, close to the sides of normal, then I can manage both, both cycles well, and it doesn't affect my life as much. And that, that's what I've gotten better at over the years. Yeah. You know, I did, I found an article, it was a study that was done in, and it was published in this journal, the Journal of Affective Disorders in December 2012. And they did a study to try to figure out in young adults, ages 18 to 30, if they could figure out what triggers manic episodes or hypomanic episodes or depressive episodes, you know, are there certain triggers that will cause uh, these episodes or these swings? Mm Mm-hmm. I can definitely tell you the sleep is going to be one of the biggest triggers. Like if you Mm. don't get enough sleep, it's easy to kick yourself into a crazy cycle and a crazy manic episode, which will then be followed by a crazy depressive episode. So, so for you, that's that's a huge one. That's one that you've noticed personally. That's why I'm such a stickler to my sleeping routine. Um, So for mania, the things they've identified that would trigger a manic episode in these people um, recreational drug use. Yeah. People don't realize how dangerous it is to be using recreational drugs and substances when you experience things like mental illness. And, you know, it, whether I'm not even talking about moral issue or religious issue or anything like that, I'm strictly talking about the facts of what that does to mental illness and mental Mm -hmm. health swings. It's so it exacerbates the problem so significantly that it is very hard for meds to even take effect and meds to work. And so I feel like if you experience any type of mental illness, you absolutely cannot use any of these recreational Recreational. drugs or other substances. Yeah. And some people do to self-treat because you're not getting treated appropriately. You're not getting medication or whatever help you're needing. And so people try to make themselves feel better. So I understand why people will do it. But then but, it triggers yeah, what you're trying to avoid. But once you recognize it, you need to know, I've, I've got to get healthier ways of handling this. I cannot use these things. Yeah. Another one I thought was interesting was starting a creative project can trigger mania in in some people. Late night partying. Mm-hmm. Uh, going on vacation. Oh, you know what? I want to actually dwell on this for a sec. We don't travel all of that all that much. We don't go on big vacations. And the reason why is because traveling is so hard for me. Mm-hmm. And staying on my sleep schedule is so important. And we talk about this big road trip that we took across the country. Yeah. We stopped at 9 p.m. every night, went into the hotel, slept in, and left at like 9 or 10 in the morning. Yeah. Even on vacation, I cannot alter or deviate from my sleep schedule. You're not doing all night traveling. No, I cannot do that. I cannot do that. 
And our really good friends, uh, Spence and Britt Holt, lived over in London for a long time. And like they kept inviting us over and I so badly wanted to go. I so badly wanted to see them and travel around Europe. But you have to be up for 36 hours straight. And in all honesty, I did not know if I would be able to recover. And that's why we didn't go. And I know it's a missed opportunity. I don't know that we're ever going to have friends living in London again that we can go (laughs) visit and they can, you know, show us all the sites that are amazing for the locals. But, but I also know that, you know, I stayed stable and I didn't get into an episode. And I, I remember Darlin when she was on a few weeks back, if people remember, that was one of the things that triggered her son is going on those big trips and being so severely off of a sleep schedule. So that's a very real thing with vacationing. Um, listening to loud music is something else that would trigger mania in some people. Yeah, Sam says that he uses that when he's depressed. Mm-hmm. He'll uh, play some of his really loud music to try to get the cycle to bounce back up again. You know, it's interesting. Going back to starting a creative project, reminded me of Adrian Sinclair, the episode where she talked about she was starting a new job, this big creative podcast project. And she was threw herself into it. It was this huge, exciting thing, but it ultimately caused some, some yeah. issues. Caused her to spiral down. She hit the top and spiraled down because that's always how it works. That's what happens. And then the last one they listed, which was kind of surprising to me, is falling in love. <laughs> that Good thing we don't love each other anymore, huh? Young 18 to 30 year olds uh, can get into a, a manic episode or hypomanic episode when they fall in love. Yeah, I, I think maybe that has something to do also with why it's so much harder to control your cycles when you're going through those ages, because there's a lot, it's exciting to fall in love. It's exciting to have somebody new and then you break up and then it's awful. And then you find someone else new and it's exciting, but I don't know, Ella, it's funny watching Ella because she's absolutely in the middle of this, you know, dating and breaking up and dating and you really see it in real life. You know what else I was just thinking of that, uh, a couple months ago, well, six months ago when I was having to find a new medication, one of the medications that Dr. Schulte put me on um, kind of triggered some manic tendencies, like more manic than I've ever felt before. And Ella had had uh, a manic episode and I kind of started to feel like a little bit out of control. And I don't know, I, I think the best way to describe it is kind of like if you're on the top of a mountain or a, a hill on a bike or something like that or running And you start to go really fast. And at first it's amazing. It feels like you're flying. And then you're kind of crossing (laughs) over to the edge like, oh, I think that I might die. Like It might be a good idea for me to slow down. And I was kind of starting to feel like that. Like it felt amazing, but also like I was falling off the edge a little bit. And I called Ella and was kind of like, okay, I'm feeling like this and this and this. And she's like, it feels amazing, huh, mom? I'm like, yeah, it does. But the same thing had happened. She had also started on that exact same medication. It had also, that's what had triggered her manic episode. And so it was good to talk to her and kind of recognize it. But it was just that feeling of like, this is starting to feel dangerous a little bit. Even though it felt amazing, it was a little too amazing, a little bit dangerous. And so we, of course, stopped the med immediately and and went to something else. But that was the first time I've ever feel like I was headed toward full-blown mania. Yeah. You know, when you talk about that, it reminds me of when we were camping and we hiked up the mountain with the kids and then we decided to run down 
<laughs> and I remember experiencing that. It's like at the beginning, it's super fun. You get going fast. And about halfway down the mountain, you're like, whoa, I'm going to tumble. I'm wipe it. This is turning into scary. And I think I'm going to wipe out here. Yeah. It's kind of what it felt like. So good description. So in this study, they've also identified triggers for depressive episodes. We, those were just the ones that triggered mania. But the dis- depressive episodes uh, were stressful life events. So a significant amount of stress. Uh, fatigue. So you're not sleeping. Uh, physical injury or illness. I feel like a lot of these things, though, just take a lot of extra energy. And to me... Like, we don't necessarily talk about the energy when we're talking about the the up cycles and the down cycles. We talk more about the emotion of it. But to me, it manifests in energy. So all of these things, stressful life events, it takes a lot of emotional energy to deal with those. And so then when you get depleted from your emotional energy, that to me, like, and you still have to continue on, you still have to do more. That's what plummets me into a, a severe depression. So I, that absolutely makes sense to me. And then the last one was decrease in physical exercise. So we've talked about how important exercise is, but not exercising can also trigger the depressive episodes. Yeah, it's so important to maintain schedule. Sleeping, eating, exercising. That can prevent a lot of the the main triggers. So, I mean, the reason we would talk about the triggers is hopefully to educate people, but then what can you do with those triggers? I mean, hopefully you can be proactive about seeing things that come up. I think that's what I've noticed in you. You start to recognize, you start, instead of things catching you off guard, you, when we're on vacation, you anticipate it. You know, when there's a lot of stress going on, when we get around the holidays, you anticipate it. It's yeah. not unexpected. It yeah. doesn't catch us by surprise. You just have to plan you, for it. You just plan for it. And make sure that even through those stressful things, you're still going at a pace that you can maintain, which for me means scheduling downtime, you know, every other day or every afternoon, whatever it is. But however much downtime I need, it has to be put into the schedule. And that's how I maintain evenness and not have the extreme cycles going through the, the things that can be triggers. Or even vacations. It doesn't mean you can't ever take a vacation. But I think now you think about it and go, okay, I can do this, but how do I do it? Just like what you talked about. We need to stop by 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people might say, let's have an all-nighter. Let's stop. And that, right. wouldn't that be fun? That's one thing that's like we've realized we can't really tr- travel or vacation with other people because of that. Because people are kind of like, oh, no, we'll do this. Like, we'll get there at 2 in the morning. It's no big deal. I'm like, so much fun. You do not understand it, this is a no. This is an absolute no. Stop at nine, till the 930, bed at 10. That is how this works. You know what I mean? And if we wanted to do overseas, I mean, fortunately, like I'm okay kicking it around at home. I'm kind of a homebody. I like to be at home. And so even though it would be fun to see all of these amazing things, like it's not my lifelong bucket list where it is for some other people. So if it is your lifelong bucket list, figure out how to do it without making your schedule crazy, you know? do it on a cruise or something like that. So gradually your sleep is adjusting. Like there's ways to do it. If it's important to you, you just have to make sure you're taking into account how, how to not set any of these triggers off so you can enjoy what you're doing. And we always talk about the combination of medication, but also life management. Yeah. And so this kind of falls into the life management component that you can be taking your medication 
And if you're still ignoring these things, you can yeah. still have manic episodes and depressive episodes that are a lot more severe than they need to be. Well, these are all excellent points. So thank you for doing all of the research and giving it something legitimate from the articles and things that are published instead of me just saying, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that one I know. So, <laughs> so on the podcast, you're the doctor and I'm the researcher. <laughs> I'm High the five. expert. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> I'm the academic expert. Thanks, babe. You're doing a great <laughs> job today. <laughs> Well, we're so glad all of you joined us. I'm so glad to be back with you and be uh, back around the horn on this. And as always, if you have questions or topics that you would like to see covered, you can submit them on Instagram at Thriving With Mental Illness or on Facebook, Mikkel Buck. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. If you like the podcast, read it and share it with a friend. And we will see you next week. See you next week.